Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our Sunday morning time together here at the Digital Cathedral. Just before I uh, turned the camera on this morning, I was thinking about all the years that I pastored in a church building, people, usually uh, more than one service on a Sunday morning. And I uh, thought about how I used to open the service. Oftentimes, I would use the scripture, and you know it well, probably your pastor's done it too. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, or we will rejoice and be glad in it. Then I would make, you know, four, five, six statements to try to get the people in the mood to start praise and worship service so that we could sing for 30, 45 minutes and try to, you know, invoke the presence of God to be with us and get us ready to hear the word and all that kind of thing. And I was just thinking this morning that, uh, Really, this is the day the Lord has made, and we have more today to rejoice about than ever in our entire lives. We are seeing more, experiencing more, hearing more, walking out more in our lives than we ever have in our previous religious Christian experience. So I'm just rejoicing today, and I don't feel that I have to come over to the digital cathedral, you know, and get you all pumped up with some positive statements and with 45 minutes of music to get you into the mood to hear the word. I know that you come to the Digital Cathedral and you're you're ready to rock and roll as soon as you show up, and I am too. So as soon as I, I click that camera on, I'm ready to, to get down there and deliver what I feel that the Lord has for us <clears throat> today. And what I wanna talk about this morning, I wanna explore some things. I wanna explore the power that we have in two dimensions, two dimension, two-dimensional living. And I want to do it as it relates to us being a creator. We're into the I amness. We're into learning how to create. Uh, I feel like I've been getting some downloads on this as to some specifics that help us and that's been working in my life. And I'm trying to share those with you as we go. But let me just throw a caveat in here. We can talk about living in two dimensions. We can talk about the power of I am. We can talk about uh, creating after the image and the likeness of God who is the original creator. And I might just throw in there that everything I am, I always like to remind you of this, everything I am is a result of an extension or union with I am that I am. I am not I am that I am, but I'll tell you what, I am. And everything I am comes out of I am that I am. We are one source, we are in union together. Uh, John 14, 20, Jesus nails that down. In that day you'll know that I'm in the Father and you're in me, so if I'm in him, I'm in the Father and he's in us. So there's a, a tremendous union that takes place. And I don't think that we've come close to exploring the depths of that union that we have with Christ because of the new creation that initiated itself at the resurrection of Jesus. So let me just throw a caveat. We can talk about all that. But until you learn to think from the mind of Christ, until the thoughts that are generated in your mind are Christ's thoughts or originate from the mind of Christ, uh, things above, things on a higher consciousness, things that are good, pure, perfect, lovely, and a good, of a good report, things that are not uh, fear-filled, things that um, are, are what you really want to create and see happen in your life. Until we do that, and until we cast down every negative imagination, every fearful thought, everything that comes into our mind that tries to exalt itself or lift itself up against what we're learning about who the Father is, about what the Father has given to us, or as Paul said, that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God or the knowledge that we're getting, the revelation knowledge that we're get, getting of God. Until we get our thoughts straightened out and our imagines, imaginations on the right wavelength, 
our heart is not going to produce in abundance what we really desire. In fact, it's going to produce a huge crop, huge harvest probably of what you don't want if your thoughts are not uh, what you would like to see really and if your imaginations are contrary to what the Father has shown you about who you are, what you possess, and how we can live out this Christ is us life. And when that happens and the heart is not growing what you would like it to grow, then the words that come out your mouth are not going to be creative words. They're going to be in agreement with what's in the heart that has been fed by the imagination that are created by the thoughts, which is the negative, the fearful, the doubtful. I'm not sure that we can do it. So let's make sure that we get this progression right and we, we walk into it. And we're gonna talk about it today. We're gonna to see it demonstrated in the life of Jesus. And I can't, I can't wait to hear from some of you about the things that you have seen, uh, that you've created in your life. And I'm sharing those things that I'm seeing in my life that also have been created. So let's talk about power in two dimensions and let's start with, with uh, the example, Jesus himself, who demonstrated uh, power in two dimensions. And by doing that, he opened the door for us to follow in where he initiated uh, the action of, of showing how to be a, a creator. Jesus moved effortlessly, there's no doubt about it. He moved effortlessly from the thoughts that were in his mind to the imagination that he, that he completed the picture of, of the thought he had. It went to his heart and then it came out his mouth. And we're gonna look at that a little bit today from a couple different passages of scripture. And I want you to see some things from there. So stick with me till the end today. If you ever have to bomb out, bail out, I understand that during the teaching, but come back during the week and pick it up. Because right now, I'll be honest with you, we're building one week on top of the next. Except for the weeks that I stop and just do a grace message or do something very basic and fundamental so that we don't, uh, you know, we keep the compass pointed in the right direction. I wanna make sure that we remain Christ-centered in everything we do. A very personal Christ <clears throat> that lives within you, right? No, no, no separation there. So let's talk today about the joy and the satisfaction that comes from your I am-ness as it's demonstrated and fulfilled in your being a creator of the life and the things that you would like to as we learn how to function in two different dimensions. Somebody messaged me this week, had a good question. They said, if I were to boil it down and say, what is the secret sauce of being a creator? What's the secret, what, what, what's, what's the real bottom line in this? I would say this, it's learning how to trust your inner self. It's, it's coming to a place where you trust that the spirit has directed the thoughts that you are thinking. And the thoughts that you are thinking, if they are, are spirit directed, if they're Christocentric, they're gonna bring you into this dimension of unlimited. Absolutely nothing beyond the realm of possibility. In Luke chapter one, verse 37, it says that all things are possible with God. Now that's a stretch for a lot of us right there. A lot of us have a hard time believing that even God can do everything. But then God reaches out and pulls us in, in uh, Mark chapter nine, verse 23, where Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believes. So what we've, we, what we've got here now, the secret sauce is believing, is, is thinking that, getting that thought firmly fixed in your mind. Everything's possible with God. And then he brings me into the family and says, everything's possible to him that believes. Paul said it like this, Colossians 2.9. He said that in Jesus, think about this, the man Jesus, in Jesus dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Then in verse 10, he says, and you, are complete 
in this one in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. Now, I don't know what you're going to call yourself. I hesitate to put a handle on that because some of you are going to be turned off right away if I really tell you what I think. So I'll let you figure it out. If God says all things are possible with him and all things are possible to you, if you believe, if he brings it into the earth realm, into this dimension, and says that in Jesus dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and then he says you are complete in him, you possess all that he possesses, you're absolutely complete in him, the one in whom all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily, well, I'll just leave that up, up to you to determine what class of being that you're in. But, but here's the point. When we see those things in Scripture, it should flag us to see that it opens our I amness to reflect the I am that I am. Everything I create comes out of I am that I am, right? So as you continue to grow in your I amness, whatever you put I am and then you fill in the blank, it needs to be a thought that is uh, in agreement with what the Father says about you through the Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. It needs to build in your imagination uh, not contrary to the character of the Father, no fearful thoughts, no, we can't do it. None of those things, we need to cast those down. It needs to flow into your heart, grow in abundance, and then be released through a creative word that you speak. So as you continue to grow in that, what you're going to notice is this. You're going to notice that your spirit begins to expand, that you're going to see more things than you've ever seen. The, the old wineskin, you're going to be trading in those wineskins all the time because you're going to be seeing things you've never seen before and you're going to be experiencing things you've never experienced. So you're not going to be able to hold on. And this is one of the toughest things to, uh, to evolve into is where you hold your beliefs loosely because they're fluctuating. They change. The deeper you go, the more focused you become, the more that you're able to see. So your spirit man is going to grow and stretch until out of it will be released the switch. I guess that's the best way to say it. This switch that will flip the light on, not only for you, but it will also help you to flip the light on for other people. All we're talking about here in creating, it's going to come down to this, the ability to create for ourselves, but also to be like Jesus, to create what other people need, which is going to point them to a father that is more than willing to meet all of their needs. So we're gonna learn how to flip the switch on, let the light come in, so that not only are we creators, but we're also awakening other people to the possibility potential they have as a new creation. So everything that I am creates comes out of the, the I am that I am, who has one nature and that's love. Everything that you create, now listen to me closely, everything that you create is going to come out of the love either you have for yourself the right kind of love, and I'll tell you what that is in a minute, or the love that you have for other people. Everything evolves out of love. The Father is love. I am that I am is love. So if you reflect him and you create out of his creativity, if you create out of what he's already created, but it's in an unseen dimension, so he's empowered you to bring all he's created in an unseen dimension into a seen dimension, which he did the first six days of creation. That's all he did. He brought what was unseen into seen because he had already created it in, in uh, Genesis 1, 26, 7, and 8, and then it began to manifest over in chapter 2, uh, verses 5 on through, I guess, nine, verse 19, 19, 19 or 20, I'm not sure, right in there somewhere. But everything that he, he created came out of love. So the love that you have for you that enables you to be a creator, look me in the eye, the perfect love that you have for yourself is to see you like he sees you. That's how you need to love yourself. 
If you see yourself lesser than he sees you, you need to cast that imagination down. That's a, that's a high thing that is exalting itself against the knowledge I'm telling you this morning that you have of God. He's, he's, he's put it deeply within your spirit that, that he is love and you're a child of love. You create after love. So it's either a love for you and the desire that you have or it's a love that you have for somebody else. So if we're functioning not out of love, the flip side of love is fear. See, the opposite of love is not hate. Not at all. The opposite of, of love is fear. That's why John said perfect love casts out fear. It takes the opposite, it grabs it by the collar, and it dispenses it out of your life. So we don't create out of fear. Now, you can. You can create out of fear, and people do create out of fear. But here's what fear creates. Fear always creates a shortage. Fear creates not enough for everybody. Fear is afraid there's not enough. It's driven by selfishness, it's driven by greed, it's driven by anger, that there's, that's the wrong motive to create. I want you to think about something. <clears throat> Every shortage that I have faced in my lifetime, whether it was gasoline or toilet paper, isn't that crazy? We had such a shortage of toilet paper during the pandemic. And it was man-created. It was human-created. God didn't create a shortage of toilet paper, I can assure you. But because of our, of our fear of shortage, of our, of our selfishness, we created a shortage. And we suffered the, con the consequences of what we created. They couldn't keep up with the demand. It wasn't that there was a greater demand. People weren't, you know, using the restroom more than they ever used it. It was that people hoarded it. They created fear. They created panic. That's not the motive that we create out of. Love, on the other hand, creates abundance. Love, on the other hand, is driven by the love that you have for other people that demonstrates the love Jesus has for us. So the seen world, you guys, we might as well, we might as well uh, settle on a fact. The seen world has more than enough creative power to bring from the unseen to the seen everything that every person on the planet needs. Every force and every power of the spirit can create, and it does. The visible is brought forth from the invisible. And I've taught, I've told you about four connectors. And beginning September the 8th, we're gonna look at each one of those individually closely and then after we get through those, and that might take four, five, six weeks, I don't know yet, then we're just going to begin to look at this whole ball of wax of create of creativity as it all comes together. Okay, fair enough. But here's what I want you to know. I want you to get firmly fixed in your mind that there are four connectors <clears throat> that you possess that connect the seen to the unseen. You possess these connectors. And I've, I've laid them out for you already. I've mentioned them. The first thing is your thoughts. You can't see your thoughts. But I will tell you for sure what you think will eventually manifest. Second connector is your imagination. You can't see your imagination, but imagination is a powerful creative force. I, I think the imagination, and I'll have to work on this a little bit. I think the imagination is actually the creative power that God has deposited within you because nothing is impossible to your imagination. Now, my thoughts, you know, my thoughts, uh, I, I probably limited in my thoughts somewhat, although somewhat. But when it comes to my imagination, I'm not, lim I'm not limited. I can imagine, I can imagine many things, all right? 
And I have to make sure that my imagination does not exalt itself against the known knowledge that I have that's been revealed to me of the Father. I want to keep my imagination running in line. But it's a, a connector that enables me to have a, have a uh, deposit that is made in the unseen that will eventually come to the seen. Third connector is your heart or your subconsciousness, your inner man, your spirit, whatever you want to term it. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the, the heart is the incubator. It's where what the imagination feeds it grows. It's the womb. And I did a teaching on that a couple of weeks ago. The heart is the womb. It's where the imagination grows. It's where it becomes settled. It's where you actually possess it. And you start to see the, the end product. And that's where you then live. You live as though it already were so. And then the fourth connector, of course, are the words that you speak out your mouth. And I've, I've got some surprises to drop on you when we get to the word. But you can't see words. You can hear them. You can see the effect of them. But words have a very powerful effect on the scene as I speak from what I see in my heart that has been fed by the imagination that originated in a thought. So those are the, the, the four connectors. And the Father used those and set the pattern. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, we've read this verse several times, but I want it to get down deep in your spirit. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So what was it that he actually did when he framed the worlds? Here's what he did. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Everything that you see started with a thought. This Bible started with a thought. The Passion Translation or the New King James, whatever version that you read, it started with a thought. And then it was developed in the imagination of the person that developed it. And they saw how it sh should be. They laid it all out in their imagination. Then it was fed into their heart. Now, this might have gone on consciously or unconsciously, subconscious, but it was taking place in this sequence. Then it was, it was formulated in the imagination that went to the heart and the heart began to meditate on it. And the heart began to, to ponder it until it said, yes, I, that, that is mine. I can do that. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And then the words of the mouth release it. And the man began to say, even to himself or to other people, I'm going to do this. I am going to do that. I am going to be the writer of a passion translation. I am going to be the creator of that business. See, that's how it develops. That's how it moves. So the cosmos, here's what I'm after. The cosmos is made up of two dimensions. Cosmos is everything that's in the universe, made of two dimensions, spiritual and physical. So the connectors that we're talking about, as well as your words, are a spiritual force that have tremendous power in the, in the, in the natural, in the seen world. So in verse three, God used a spirit force. He used his, his, his thought, you remember in Genesis 1:26, here's the thought. God said, let us make man. Let us make man. Then his, then his imagination went into work. And he said, let him have, this man we're going to make. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, the bird, everything that creeps on the earth. Let him have dominion over all of that. And then his imagination kept working. And he said, we need to make a garden that we can put this man in. And in this garden, there needs to be two trees. And there needs to be everything that this man is going to need to function perfectly. And all that was built in his imagination in chapter 1. Then when we get to chapter 2, we find out the actual creation took place from, like I said earlier, verse 5 down through maybe 1920, somewhere, I'm not sure, it doesn't matter. 
but it didn't materialize until chapter two, but it was formulated by the thought, the imagination, and the words of God in chapter one. And that's exactly what Hebrews 11.3 is saying, that everything that we see began with the thought. It began in, in the mind of God. Then it went to God's imagination. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were working on this whole plan together. So I want you to see that thoughts, imaginations, your heart, and words are the connectors that we have from the seen to the unseen. And those four things connect the physical with the spiritual, and you have power in both of those dimensions. You have power in both of those realms. Scripture has a lot to say. We, we haven't explored what Scripture has to say about those four, lining them in the right sequence as, as Jesus worked it out. We're going to look at Jesus doing it in just a minute, or as the Father did it in, in, in creation. We haven't, we haven't looked at that. Although the Scripture has tremendous amount to say about it, it's, it why, why haven't we really figured this out? Because we were never taught. Those that taught us, had no clue. They did not have the revelation of what we're getting today. I will assure you of that. I've released all, all, all the teachers. I've released all the professors. I've released all of those who taught me the years I spent in school learning how to be a pastor and a preacher and teaching me systematic theology, Pauline epistles, hermeneutics, homiletics. I mean, the synoptic gospels. I mean, all that teaching that they kept boxed up, kept got in a little box and in, in, in really indoctrinated me with that. I, I've released them because you know what? They're, they're an important part of the journey. They made, they've made me who I am. So don't be angry at your pastor because he has helped to make you exactly what you, you are. So here's the point. We're in contact with two dimensions. We're living in two worlds. John chapter 17, verse, verse uh, what is it? Verse 16. Jesus in his prayer said, they are not of the world, speaking to the disciples, even as I'm not of the world. This, this is not our real dimension. I, my dimension is spirit. I, I'm a spirit being. I'm having a human experience, but I'm basically spirit. Always been spirit, always will be spirit. Spirit has no beginning, has no end. It always exists, it always will exist. It existed from the beginning with the Father. Now that puts your human mind on tilt. You can't understand that. Don't even try to understand it. It'll, it, it, it it's beyond our understanding. It's beyond our, our, it's above our pay grade. How's that? It's above our pay grade. The problem is the church did not teach us how to create the scene from the unseen or from the uh, uh, natural, from the spirit, how to make that transition over. And I, I, I have been searching this for 10, 15 years because I could see that something was amiss here. And because we didn't understand about the connectors, thoughts, imaginations, heart, and words, nobody taught us. We were left up to pray. Now here's what, here's what God's been telling me. Here's what I feel like the Spirit's been dropping in my spirit. You judge it. You don't believe it because I'm telling you, okay? Everything at the Digital Cathedral that I teach, I, I tell you, don't believe it because I'm telling it. If it doesn't resonate, if you don't see it, Crockpot it, set it aside, whatever. But here's, here's what he's been showing me. That we've been very frustrated with our prayer lives. It, it hasn't worked well. We pray, we hit and miss, we get some things, we don't get other things. It hasn't worked well for us. The reason it hasn't worked well for us is because we've been praying for things. Listen to me. We've been praying for things that he has empowered you to create. You ever notice through the Gospels, Jesus never prayed for his needs? He never prayed for 
the rent, never prayed for his donkey payment, uh, never prayed for food, never prayed for necessities, never prayed uh, for help. He never, he never prayed for his personal needs, but he created a lot. He created a lot of things. Your life, whether you realize it or not, is a collection of what you have thought, what you have imagined, what you've allowed to grow in your heart, and then you've expressed it out your words. Now, it might be to the positive, it might be to the negative. You might have done it well sometimes, and you have not done it well other times. What we're doing at the Digital Cathedral is we're learning how to line this thing up so that we do not go back and create a harvest of what we do not want that we have been creating all along, but didn't realize that we were creators. Nobody ever told me I was a creator. Nobody ever told me that as a new creation, I had, as in the image and likeness of the Father, I had the ability to create the life that I live. I see it now. I see it now. And I can look back over my life and I can see how exactly it's worked. Just like that. Thoughts, imagination, heart, full up, and I set out my mouth exactly what I was, what I was having. So Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, I love that verse. That was an old... Uh, Word of Faith verse that Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland, Jerry Savelle, and, uh, all those guys uh, used to teach on all the time. It was like Kenneth Hagin's chief verse, and he brought a lot of revelation about it. But I think we can pick it up and carry it a little further. Mark eleven twenty three. You know what it says? He said, "Assuredly I say to you." Now, I pointed these out, but let me say it again. These, there's four, all four connectors working in this twenty third verse. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, has a heart full of seeing the mountain gone, his imagination's created it, but believes in his heart that those things, what he says shall be done, he'll have whatever he says. Right? So they had part of it down there. Do you think it's possible to move a mountain? Right? Look, the first thing comes, the first thing that's established is the thought, right? The thought is that we got a mountain when we need to move. Now, you may need to create the moving of a mountain. You may need to create a mountain of prosperity, of abundance. I don't know. But if you, if you have a, a mountain of fear, doubt, unbelief, or a mountain of bad health, he said the first thing is to recognize you had the mountain. That's the thought. Then his imagination sees the mountain moved. How would you feel when the mountains moved? What would it be like when the mountains moved? What kind of emotional... Uh, feeling would would you have? See, when you when you imagine it, you want to you want to imagine everything possible. You want to you want to be in the picture. You want to to make this thing as alive and real as you possibly can. Then in the heart it grows. And he said, whoever does not doubt in his heart. So you let this thing grow in your heart. I need to stop right here for just a minute. You need to let this thing grow in your heart. Man, I'm getting ahead of myself. Several weeks. Let it grow in your heart until you don't doubt it. Don't, don't talk it. The, these words shall not depart from my mouth, says in Joshua. Keep them in there until you know that you know that you know. And there will be a day that you cross over the line. I can tell you, everything that I have seen in my life since I've understood this and began to create, I have that has been the case. There's a day that I step over the line and I go, that's a done deal. I got it. I possess it then I can release a creative word that is in agreement with the abundance of the heart. You can't speak words that are not in agreement with what your heart's growing because that makes you double-minded. It throws a clinker in the whole thing. So then he says, he shall have whatsoever he says. So what I wanted you to see there 
is that if you think it's possible to move the mountain, then let your imagination draw that picture to its absolute completeness. Now, we've not been taught these. We've not been taught this. We haven't been taught these four connectors. They've been working. They've been working. I never saw it until one day I'm just sitting and I'm saying, Father, how in the world, how in the world do I move this unseen world that you have completed creation? Everything is there. It's in the bank. How do I move it over here? He begin, I mean, I, I've been chasing this for years and all of a sudden it just, he began to show me, look, here's your connectors. You need to connect the seen with the unseen and I've equipped you. I've given you thoughts. Can you see thoughts? I said, no. He said, but you can think. Those thoughts are real. I said, absolutely. He said, imagination. Can you see imagination? I said, no. He said, that's where you need to paint the picture. That's the job of an imagination is to, to actually, uh, you know, put that picture on canvas and then fill it in by your imagination, everything that you want. He said, then your heart's going to automatically grab that. And it's going to grow it until finally you possess it. And when we get to really examining the heart, I'll tell you how the heart grows it, how you can grow it in the heart, how you can water it and fertilize it make it even stronger, faster than maybe you thought possible. All right, I want to look at two passages of Scripture. This is kind of the heart and soul of the teaching this morning. I want to look at two passages of Scripture where Jesus did some creative things. He created. We call it a miracle. He, Jesus never said, I do miracles. He never said that. And I want to just look at a couple of things that we would say, man, that was a miracle. No, it wasn't. Jesus was bringing meeting needs he was bringing from the unseen into the scene. I want you to watch his thought process. I want you to watch the thought process of the disciples. Jesus was trying to raise, elevate their consciousness. He was trying to get them into that dimension that they would have power in two dimensions as he did. They didn't catch it. They had a hard time with it, just like many of us. Come with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. We're, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. This is where the rubber meets the road, right? Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. It starts out by saying this, when Jesus heard it. Now, what was it that Jesus heard? I'll give you the context. Jesus heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded by Herod. Remember, uh, John the Baptist kind of blew the whistle, shed the light on uh, Herod's relationship that he had that he shouldn't have had with a woman and he, and he brought it to light and made Herod upset. So he beheaded John the Baptist. Now you have to understand, Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins, close. They probably grew up together, went fishing together, worked in, you know, whatever, had a lemonade stand together. Uh, they were tight, they were close. There's no question about it. John the Baptist and Jesus were close. Jesus chose John the Baptist to baptize him. John the Baptist is the one that looked and said, hey, here's the Lamb of God. He had full revelation of Jesus. Full, He said, Lamb of God, it takes away the sin of the world. So when Jesus heard it, it says in verse 13, he departed from there by a boat to a deserted place by himself. I mean, the man was grieving. The human Jesus was grieving. You understand it? Just like you and I. He shed, I'm sure he shed some tears over his, his cousin that was like his brother. I'm sure he shed some tears and wanted to just be by himself. I mean, cut me some slack, give me some space. I wanna be by myself. But here's what happened. When the multitudes heard it, they followed Jesus on foot from the cities. Whole multitude followed him. You don't get a break, brother. You're on 24 seven. Jesus, Jesus could get off by himself, but once somebody heard where he was, they all went out to see him. When Jesus went out, he saw a multitude. He was moved with compassion for them and he healed 
they're sick. Now, there's something really important here that I want you to see. Jesus went into the spirit at that time. He, he saw a tragedy in the natural, beheading of his cousin. So what did Jesus do? He went into spirit, and it says in that 14th verse, he was moved with compassion, and he healed their sick. John was killed in the natural. Jesus takes it into the spirit, and he begins to heal the sick people. How do we overcome evil? We overcome evil with good. Jesus put a blow to all the evil that happened to kill his cousin by healing the sick, by doing good. He didn't go into charismatic warfare. He didn't, he didn't get out there and start binding and binding up Herod and that devil within him. I forbid him to, I come against Herod. I draw a bloodline around us. Herod will not ever cross that light again. He, did, he didn't do that. He went into the spirit. The way you overcome evil is with good. Jesus' imagination was triggered by the thought that if he healed the sick, if he did what was good, and his heart was full of it, he was moved with compassion, that means he accepted, he knew what he was doing, that that's the way to strike the blow. Now this went on all day. It says in verse 15, when it was evening, when it was evening, this went on all day, man. I'm sure Jesus... He already was emotionally exhausted. I'm sure that he was physically exhausted. If you've ever laid hands or prayed for people or ministered to people that have needs, you know that after hours, you can't, you're not able to hardly stand up. This, it is an emotionally draining, spiritually draining experience. So when the evening came, now watch, here comes the thought of the disciples. His disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the village and buy themselves some food. So they had already created a thought and an imagination. Their thought was this. This is a deserted place. We're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no Chick-fil-A. There's no McDonald's. Nothing out here. There's no possible way that we have to feed these people. So their imagination said, here's what we've, we've devised. They need to get into town and, and uh, uh, buy themselves some food. They need something to eat. So their heart was full of that. That's the best thing that could happen. And so their words spoke it. Now watch what Jesus does in verse 16. Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now that, that blew their minds. What was Jesus doing here? Jesus was planting a thought inside the disciples. They didn't recognize it. Jesus had a different thought. Jesus had his imaginations working. He's already seeing him sitting down in companies of 50. He's already seeing the baskets that are taken up at the end. Jesus is living in the end of this already. Jesus is imagining all of that. So his heart, Jesus was highly developed in this. So he was highly developed in the creative process. So it, it sped for him. He, he had spent years getting this thing down and getting it right. But he had already, already figured this out. He knew where he was going. So he was trying to take the disciples to a higher consciousness. He was trying to elevate their thinking. He was trying to create a different picture in their imagination. He was trying to fill their heart with, a, with different uh, materials so that it could grow in abundance. And he wanted to hear them say, here's what he wanted to hear them say. Jesus, if you say we give them something to eat, we're going to give them something to eat. Right? We believe what, what you said. That's what we're going to do. And they said to him, 
Now here's their here's their thoughts and their imagination again. We have we have here only five loaves and two fish. Jesus said, "Bring him to me." Now they're even more stumped. What the heck's he going to do with five loaves and two fish? What? That's not going to feed anybody. And that's what they said. <clears throat> then they commanded, verse 19, they commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves, two fish, looking up to heaven. He blessed them, broke them, gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And it says in verse 20, when they ate and were filled, they took up 12 baskets full. So the thoughts, the imaginations and words of the disciples created a lack. There was nothing that could be done. Jesus's thoughts, words, imaginations, dwelling in his heart, spoken out his mouth, told him exactly what to do, created abundance. So we got the same circumstance. One group created lack. Jesus created abundance. Now, the collective consciousness of the 12 was, we're all in agreement. There's nothing we can do about this. So let's send them to town. Let's move them on. Head them up, move them out. We got we to we, we get this thing on the road. Jesus said, hold it, slow it down. Jesus's thoughts, imaginations, and words saw enough in the physical that he could add to from the unseen, bring it to the scene, and feed the multitudes. This is powerful stuff, you guys. Now, Jesus said the works that he did, we would do. Do you really believe? See, nothing's impossible to him that believes. The obstacle, the obstacle is getting us to see ourselves as he sees us living and walking in that dimension. Now we look at that, we call it a miracle. Do you know what Jesus calls it? Jesus calls it another day at the office. That's, that's exactly what he calls it. Now here's, now look, I'll, let's, let's keep, let's follow this for just a minute. Let's come back to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Because immediately when this whole thing is done, in Matthew chapter 13, Uh, that's not the right scripture. What were we in? Crap, we were Matthew 14. Matthew chapter 14. I was one chapter late. Matthew chapter 14. Okay, this, this thing is done. Jesus got them fed, got them on their way. Everybody's happy. 12 baskets, fulls left. So in, in chapter, in that 14th chapter, immediately, look at verse 22. Immediately it says, so as soon as this was done, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So here's what Jesus did. Jesus said, guys, here's the boat. Here's the thought. I want you to go to the other side. That's the thought. Now their imagination should have picked up on that thought that Jesus deposited in them and their imagination should have been, I see myself on the other side. We, we, made a, we made a successful trip. We made a successful voyage over there. We felt good. We felt accomplished. We felt happy with everything that went on today. In other words, their imagination was painting a picture that they were already on the other side and their heart was beginning to fill with it. And the words they should have spoken to one another is, man, this is, this is good. Now we got a nice boat ride over to the other side. Doesn't matter what we encounter in the interim because Jesus gave us the thought, just like he did previously. He, he's given them a pop quiz. He's wanting to see if they're able to catch this. You remember, remember getting a pop quiz in school? Teacher would assign you to read uh, pages 40 to 48. Next day you go to class, teacher says, take out a paper and pencil. We're gonna have a pop quiz. I wanna see what you've learned, what you've read. And if you didn't read it, you had no clue what, 
the answers were? Well, Jesus is giving them a pop quiz. He just demonstrated for them the thought, the imagination, the abundance of the heart, and them all speaking to feed the multitude. So now he says, let's see what they've learned. He says, I'm giving you the thought, go to the other side. So their imagination should have created that picture. Their imagination should have created it. And out of the abundance of their heart, they should have said to one another, we're going to the other side. But let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. See, if Jesus says, take the boat to the other side, then the boat's going to the other side. No question about it. Verse 23. So here's what happens. And when they had, when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain himself to pray. Now the evening came and it was he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Where are they going? Other side. It was tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. So what happens? It, this is what happens in life. There are things that, that try to steal, try to abort the creation, the creative process. It tries to, to abort, it tries to get you to watch and to come with a thought of fear or some other thought that will dislodge the thought that the, the, the mind of Christ has given you. And that's exactly what was going on exactly what was going on. And I'm sure it says in verse 24 that the boat was in the middle, it was tossed with waves. I'm sure these guys were stressed. They were fearful because it appears, it appears in the natural. They're going down. They're going down. And where's Jesus? Where's this guy that gave us the idea that we're going to the other side? <clears throat> where was where was their source? He, he was nowhere to be found. So they they centered on the problem. That's exactly what they centered on. All right, let me keep reading. Verse 25 and verse 26. Now, when the fourth watch of the night went to them, Jesus came walking to them on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Better word would be they're fearful, man. They were absolutely scared, spitless. It's a ghost, they cried out, in fear, in fear. So they, they had totally gotten themselves dislodged from the thought, the imagination, the heart that Jesus had given them. But here comes Jesus. They saw Jesus, but the natural man, they said, this ain't right. Something's wrong here. It must be a ghost. Now, Peter, Peter in verse 28, I love this guy. He's the one that got the revelation of who Jesus was. I love Peter. So impetuous. He's the opposite of me. He, he goes with the flow. He's impetuous. Uh, you never know what he's going to come up with. I'm methodical. I'm boring. You know, I, 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 I know I got, okay, here's where we're going. This is the path. Nothing like Peter. So it says in verse 28, Peter answered. Immediately Jesus spoke, said, said be of good cheer. It's I. Don't be afraid. Now Peter gets a thought. Here's Jesus walking on the water. It's not smooth water Jesus is walking on. He's walking on waves. He's walking in a storm. So Peter says, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus, uh, Peter gets a thought. It, his imagination goes, wow, if this is Jesus, and he gives me permission, I, I think I get it. I can, I can walk on the water to Jesus, and his heart's full of that. So he tells Jesus, hey, if it's you, tell me to come so I can get on and, and, and walk in the water. So G Peter is coming through a, a, a process that he had never experienced before. So in verse 29, so he said, come on, Peter. And when Peter came down out of the boat, listen, you can't fault Peter all the time. When Peter came down out of the boat, he walked on water. He walked on water. You can't, you can't put him down. He walked on water and he was going to Jesus. 
Now, now here's the whole thing changes. The creative story changes. He gets another thought. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. So here's, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Fear created failure in Peter. All of a sudden, he got a thought of failure, got a picture of failure, th thought in his heart he's going to fail. And so he spoke out his mouth the words of failure. Now, here's, here's what I want you to get out of this. It was totally up to Peter if he created a scenario of walking on water or he created a scenario of sinking in the sea, needing Jesus to save him. Jesus, did, Jesus didn't create it. Peter did. It could have gone either way. It was totally up to Peter. The physical world is not reality. It's constantly being changed by our thoughts, our imaginations, the overflow of our heart, and the words that we speak. So walking or sinking was based on Peter. It was not based on Jesus. The reality of what Peter was creating absolutely switched. The life that you're living is far more your creation than that of Jesus. I believe Jesus anytime said, come on, man, walk on water, let's go. If, if you think enough, long enough, then there will be a manifestation of what you're thinking. Collective consciousness can create. We saw it in the boat. The world we live in is a result of collective consciousness. We've seen it work for shortages and fear and, and, and what, what all that's created. See, what, what the thing is this, we've been programmed to survive rather than create. Two different thoughts are generated. When you're just surviving, that's the deception that has created fear and a collective consciousness of lack and not enough. And that's what smacks in our world today. And our actions live it out. Jesus prayed a powerful prayer in John chapter 17, verses 15 to 20, and actually verse 22. In verse 16, he said, you're not of this world. You are not physical. You are spirit. He said in, in verse 15, you're not escaping the world. I sent you here to change the world. And he says in verse 18, that as the Father sent me into the world, equipped having the ability to create. He said, I'm sending you into the world the same way. Then he ends up the whole thing in verse 22. What he's praying, he says, hey, the glory that the Father has given to me, I'm sharing with you. I'm, I'm, I'm dispensing it to you. The glory is the presence of the Father, the manifested uh, being of the Father in actual living it out. So Jesus was trying to say in that 17th chapter that whatever he asked, however he was equipped, whatever presence of the Father that he carried to enable him to do what he did to create he said, I'm giving it to you also. If you think that you have to do certain things to survive and you're still in that survival mode, you'll never be vulnerable. You'll never be a giver. You'll try to protect what you have rather than being a steward of it. You won't try to create something. You'll try to hoard exactly what you have. You'll be limited in your ability to create if you're, if you're just a survivor. You'll be a reactor. You'll constantly be reacting rather than creating. God didn't, God didn't form us to be reactors. He formed us to be creators. So the more you learn to trust the spirit, the inner voice that speaks to you and gives you a thought, you know, you can do this. You can go that way. The more you trust that, the more you create, the more your heart is filled with, the more your words speak it, see? the more you're going to reflect the image and the likeness of the Father that has been indelibly stamped on you that is coming forth in fullness.
Now, let me just say this. It doesn't matter where you're at today. Some of you, I think through this, this uh, I am the series and being a creator, you have felt really bad because you think I've created a mess in my life. I'm in a bad position. I'm in a bad place. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you are today. You can begin, listen to me, you can begin to live a fulfilling, creative life. You can change the thoughts. You can change imaginations. You can change what's going into your heart and the words that come out your mouth. And if you will get on this track with me, I am telling you, it doesn't matter what life has been for you up to this point, he has endued you not to pray and beg and holler and plead for God to come do something. God's trying to say, guys, I've placed within you everything that I placed within Jesus that you can walk as he walked in this world. Your life's blueprint, your life's blueprint is what you were sent here to accomplish and create. So once you know your blueprint, once you know why you're here, it should give, you say, well, I don't know what I'm here to do. Well, let me ask you, what makes you happy? What make, what gives you joy? What is it that lights your fire, cranks your engine? Why do you get up in the morning? That's the thing that he sent you here to accomplish. Might be very simple. Might be just being part of a group or, you know, being part of a car club or something where you meet on Saturdays, drink coffee, and you're just, your light's shining, man. Don't underestimate the impact and the influence you have. So you need to get a thought of what you want to do with that group. See, every person comes to this planet with a plan. It's the Father's intent to make his, his plan known to you and to make himself known to you. That's his job. You don't have to chase him down. You don't have to beg him or plead. Then he will enable you and empower you to express your I amness, who you actually really are and what you're here to, to fulfill. What gives you joy? What makes you happy? That's the blueprint. That's the blueprint. And it's a huge key to what it is you're going to create. So expand the creation of the blueprint with the words that you speak that come out of the abundance of your heart, that are fed the picture by your imagination, who gets the thought from the mind of Christ that dwells within you. Guys, we're onto something really good here. Let's, let's continue to progress. Let's continue to look. And I think in the next week or two, I wanna to talk to you about everything you need, every answer you need is within you. It's already inside of you. Hey, God bless you. We've covered a lot of ground this morning. Go back and listen to this again. Let it, let it sink in deep. Let it create thoughts, imaginations. Let it overflow your heart and speak the power word from your lips. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night at The Secret Place next Sunday morning and once again, 10 a.m. Central right here at the Digital Cathedral. You're a powerful group of people and I'm honored to make the trip with you. See you next time.